0: Hello and welcome to the Mind Your Leadership Podcast. I'm Karen Zuk, and today I will speak with Stephanie Delfanzo. Stephanie is an integrative hypnosis. She's helping people create incredible life changes. Stephanie is also the author of Goodbye Anxiety, Hello Freedom, How to Be Resilience and Overcome Anxiety. Today we will speak how we can stop acting upon our automatic behaviors and better deal with anxiety and stress in these challenging times, so stay with us.
1: Stephanie, it's great being here with you. Thank you for joining. Oh, thank you for inviting me. I'm excited to have this conversation with you today.
0: You are an hypnosis expert, right? Yes, I've been an integrative
1: hypnotist for 16 years.
0: So I really would be happy to understand and to unpack the hypnosis issue because you know people thinking different things about it so it's
1: right because a lot of people are like oh no are you gonna make me bark like a dog or cluck like a chicken and it's because what you see in uh, the tv and movies they purposely are doing this for entertainment value and what i do is not for entertainment it's for you know deep personal healing so you've been in hypnosis and you probably don't know this karen but you've been in hypnosis we all have because it's simply a focused state of awareness awareness. So if you've ever driven somewhere and you've gotten to your destination you're like wow I don't remember that, that that drive you were in a state of hypnosis because at that time your conscious mind was off thinking about you know whatever it was thinking about while thankfully our subconscious mind which never turns off had you safely driving And so another experience, Uh, when my daughter was 16 and she was going to driver's ed, she came home one night all excited because she said, mom, mom, we talked about highway hypnosis tonight at driver's ed. And so that is so common. But also when um, pre-COVID, when we were able to go to movie theaters and we'd be sitting in the theater and we'd be so into the movie that they'd want us to cry. We'd find ourselves starting to tear up. If they want you to jump, you'd jump in your seat. Because for that moment in time, Time, your conscious mind wasn't thinking, I'm sitting in a movie theater with a lot of other people. Your conscious mind was off, and your subconscious mind had you in the movie like it was the real deal.
0: So, you know, now I'm really curious about it because what you said right now for me, it's being on an automatic pilot, automatic behavior that we are not aware of acting upon it. So,
1: So it is like autopilot, and we live our lives mostly on autopilot. And it's because our conscious mind, if you can imagine uh, seeing a diagram of a uh, iceberg, right? There's about 10% above the waterline, and 90% of that is below the waterline. That is a perfect metaphor, a perfect representation of our conscious mind being that 10%, and our subconscious mind, which is the 90%. And so Albert Einstein said decades ago, you can't solve a problem at the same level of consciousness that created it. Mm -hmm. So what happens is our problems get created in the conscious mind. And then we go to talk therapy and we talk and talk and talk at the conscious level and nothing changes. My work in hypnosis is all in the subconscious because that's where our real lasting change can happen. So another way of looking at that, Karen, is um, we all have experienced traumas, whether they're capital T traumas or small t traumas. And a lot of times it they stem back to childhood because until the age of reason, when you're about six or seven years old, everything is brand new. You have no filters to judge something against. Right? So we have an experience and this is like so common. I've seen this so many times over the years. It could be somebody who has like the CEO of a big corporation and they come to me because they've developed a fear of driving on the highway and we go back and find, I'm very good at finding where the root cause is. They're in the backseat of a car when they're five years old. Daddy has a panic attack and has to pull over and have mom take over. And there we go. We started the pattern. And then over the years, anytime they would be in a car and start to feel uncomfortable, it would get make that stronger and stronger and stronger until they would come to me. And, you know, I, I can't drive on the highway anymore. Another example, I was thinking, I haven't thought of this man for years because it's been a long, long time since I worked with him. But a 62-year-old, very successful gentleman who had developed a fear of stairs. And at 62 years old, he was crawling up and down the stairs in his home like a toddler. And his doctor said, go find a hypnotist. So he came to me and poor thing. I, at the time, I don't have an office anymore, but at the time I did have an office on the second floor of an old Victorian house with no elevator. By the time he got to my waiting room, he was in a full-blown panic attack. And so after only a few sessions, he was walking up and down. Now, in this old house, the uh, guardrails were very low, much lower than what the the code is, at least here in the States now. So, you know, that would set him off on the first session. But then after the third session, he walked up and down the steps by himself. Uh It was total freedom.
0: So, okay. So now I'm getting it. So what do you say? The um, hypnosis, actually, it's not a state of mind that we want to be there because you said, I'm sorry that I'm pondering about it because it's uh, important for me to understand. So it's not a state of mind that we aim to be there. If it works for us, like an automatic pattern that works for us, so we want to maintain it. But if it's an automatic pattern that doesn't Serve us anymore like a fear and anxiety that prevent us from acting differently so we want to change it it depends if we negative pattern or a, a positive pattern and then we'll decide
1: if to work with it with it right right negative. and it, yes exactly and so you know it's habits right and habits yes. people think they can't change habits that oh you know i've just had this habit but you can change it. It's so easy. Like I know it's easy. And you know, my clients come to me not knowing it's easy, but your listeners are not going to see this, but I'll show you. Uh This woman, this picture of this beautiful young woman skydiving out of an airplane. She came to me for her crippling fear of flying. And so, you know, I knew she'd gone to, she ended up going on her family vacation. And so we knew we were successful. And then I don't know how much later I turn on Facebook and here's this picture of her skydiving out of an airplane. I was yes. like, oh my gosh. Then I see her co-piloting a small plane. And then <laughs> pre-COVID, she had built up a very successful business as the five foot traveler. No uh-huh. lie. Awesome. Awesome yeah. so you know it change is possible. And this is where you know, you can hear the passion that I have because when we can make those deep, deep changes, it changes everything, and we get our freedom back. so it's interesting because
0: you know a lot of us have fear especially nowadays in the Covid the pandemic situation and a lot of anxiety. And I know that you wrote the book, Goodbye Anxiety, Hello, Freedom how to build resilience and overcome anxiety. I'll be happy to get tips for our listener how they can handle this COVID situation. And I think it's in uncertain times and it will stay with us. The COVID will go, something else will come, you know. So it really something yeah. that we need to embrace nowadays.
1: Well, and who knew when I wrote the book three years ago, who knew how much the world would need it, really need it right now. Uh, Here in the States, last year, uh, just about a year ago, from mid-February to mid-March, so this was at the very beginning of the pandemic, prescriptions for anti-anxiety medications rose 34.1% in one month. And that was at the beginning of this. And here we are, we're coming up on one year anniversary of dealing with this pandemic and stress and anxiety and depression have just gone through the roof. So how the book came about was my own struggle with anxiety. I didn't realize until 1995 that I had struggled with anxiety my entire life. It wasn't until it bloomed into insomnia and anybody Uh listening who has experienced that, just had a shudder go through them because it's absolute torture. I wasn't sleeping. I was really having a very difficult time functioning. And I went to the doctor and got a prescription like most Americans do. And it worked for a short time. Uh-huh. And then it stopped. And it was even worse. Then it was like, oh my gosh, what if I what if I take the medication it doesn't work? And so when I went to the doctor, the doctor said, well, you know, the insomnia is because of your anxiety. And I was like, what? I didn't know any other way. I didn't know it wasn't normal to walk around wearing your shoulders as earrings and worrying about the worst case scenario, constant worry. And so when the medication failed me, I started looking for ways to find you know, natural ways for me to be able to just calm my stress and anxiety on my own. And so I Began researching, and I've been researching for 25 years now. And it can be as simple as, and everybody can do this with us just as you breathe in, think I'm breathing in, I'm breathing out, I'm breathing in, I'm breathing out. And can you feel how that just starts to soften everything, right? So the techniques in my book and my whole approach is not to say, well, you have to meditate 20 minutes in the morning and meditate 20 minutes at night, because first of all, if you don't have a practice in place, that's not going to happen. That's too big thing to try and go for. But when you can experience short moments of calm throughout the day, you're emptying the stress bucket on a regular basis. So it doesn't have a chance to get, you know, quite as big. So um, another thing is called crossing the midline. And if you can do this, as long as you're not driving, do this with us. We're going to put our hands in front of our heart, pressing them together. And we're going to take one hand out to the side and bring it back. And then the other hand out to the side and bring it back. And we keep doing this back and forth, back and forth. Another way I like to do this demo, this sometimes is with a tennis ball, but you can just simply use your hands. And as you're doing this, if I had had you think of something stressful and rate it from one to 10, and you said, well, okay, well, just, um, as I'm thinking about it now, it's a seven. As we would be doing this back and forth, crossing the midline, and we do this for just a short amount of time. And then I'd, I'd ask you again, what is it now? And you're going to say, wow, either it's gone or it's gone from a seven down to a three. And the reason this works is so well is, first of all, we don't have to have any fancy equipment. Second of all, we're crossing the midline of the body, but more importantly, we're crossing the midline of the brain. So we are balancing both the left and the right side of the brain, bringing us into emotional balance and stimulating our parasympathetic nervous system. That is where um, I didn't understand really like, ugh, I didn't want to hear about science for many years until they started doing a lot of neuroscience research and finding out, oh, these simple ways for us to stimulate the parasympathetic nervous system, which is the opposite of the fight or flight. Parasympathetic is the rest, digest, and relax nervous system. Mm-hmm. So we want to keep activating that on a regular basis. And so far, what I've shared, it's simple enough to teach a six-year-old, yeah? Yeah. That's right. (laughs) So tell me, managers and uh, executives
0: listening to our podcast, can you also give tips to... Managers in the day to day, you know, now we're working remotely with a, a lot of anxiety and loneliness that people are experiencing. What can they do? Also, small tips that can change the
1: environment, the energy. So, something that um, Tammy Simon, who is the founder of Sounds True, she shared this and it landed so beautifully with me. And it's starting a meeting with a good minute. Mm -hmm. Right. Not saying, okay, let's have a moment of silence or let's have a a minute of meditation because some people are going to push back on that. But I I think you and I did it the other day when we spoke and I start all of my uh, client sessions with this Good minute now because it really allows us to get present. And who can push back on a good minute? Like it does, it means do whatever you want, right? Just get quiet. And if you want to meditate, that's great. If you want to think about, you know, your four legged uh, uh, fur baby, uh, that's great too. But by starting the meetings with a good minute. It will get everybody present. They'll let go of what was going on beforehand. You know, the poor um, moms who are dealing with working from home and their kids homeschooling. I think that's an incredible challenge. So, you know, you've got all this stuff going on with your kids and then you've got to come to the meeting. Well, start with a good minute. And for the managers, I would recommend that you do your own good minute before you even start the meeting. Do A good minute every few minutes. (laughs) Well, literally on my wall in front of my computer, it says short moments of calm many times a day. And because of 2020, I scratched out a day and it now says short moments of calm many times an hour.
0: That's right. I must be frank and say that During this period, I meditate much more than before. So I think we all need this pause
1: and- and something that i saw this morning um from my business coach and she works with a lot of you know top level ceos and she said she's heard from everybody in the past week including me that there's just like we're hitting coming up against a wall right now and my take on it was because i'm very aware that it's coming up on 1 year and because my husband is so high risk we have been in 99% isolation for 11 months we're coming up on a year next month wow. and yeah. And so I, I am privileged, and I realize I have privilege in being able to, to do this. But as we're coming up on this anniversary, a lot of people are, are feeling more tired, they're feeling more stuck, they're feeling more grouchy. And so I would invite you to have Serious self compassion to not be like, you know, okay, I've got to muscle through this. A lot of times, as leaders, you know, we feel like, oh, we have to muscle through and we have to be strong. And that's just putting even more weight on us. So rather than feeling like, okay, I have to, I have to be, you know, the tough person at the top of the pile here, no, you know, I would invite uh, some discovery, some inward reflection as to. How by being a little vulnerable with my employees, how can I model for them that, oh, yeah, we're gonna have times when it's tough, right? And where does that start? It starts with self-compassion.
0: That's right. And you know, I want to share with you a story about a manager that went through my MBL course. We touch upon and we vulnerability and authenticity and as leaders and human beings, being able to be vulnerable and uh, authentic. And she implemented it and she shared with me that she, I know that she went uh, through a tough year, also the coronavirus, also she got divorced, two small kids, you know, it's really challenging. After the course, she shared with her team her tough year that she experienced. And she said everybody was so touched and also being part of this conversation and they showed up and showed vulnerability one of them said that he feels lonely and the other one so she said it was amazing the way they were empathic the way they showed up so it really transformed the energy and the the ability to to be present it's
1: not only happy joy you know and I would imagine that they're going to see, you know, increased productivity in, throughout the organization. Uh, we put these constructs on as a, you know, when it, I think it, the base of it, a lot of times is the need for perfectionism, right? Mm-hmm. We think, oh, we have to be poly perfect. And yet, you know, I had a woman uh, again, many years ago, you know, top level in her corporation. And, you know, so she had to be strong and, and she was getting an award. She was getting a really big award for her charitable endeavors. And she, was petrified. She was petrified to be seen in that capacity. And so, you know, we worked on her fear of public speaking. And that again, just like similarly to who you just talked about, it broke something in her. Not and that's not the correct word. It
0: I think it starts from, no? Something changed. Yes,
1: yes, yes. And so she didn't feel like she had to be this, you know, this mask caricature of the, you know, polyperfect. And so, you know, by her being able to be vulnerable and say, wow, I was really afraid to come up here and get this award, then you're unconsciously giving other people permission to do the same.
0: I just had a conversation, so I told my friend that she's also have anxiety of standing in front of people and lecturing and talking. And I told her, you know, when I start to talk in a lecture, I'm saying, you can if you could hurt my heart beating <laughs> right now, so you understand what I feel right now. And then it's break the ice. You know, it feels okay. It's okay. we all human. I'm stressing. The fact that I'm putting it on the table and giving place, it transforms
1: also, right? Because I yes. don't hold it yeah. inside of me. And for anybody who is listening that struggles with that, uh, the best tip I can give you is to just be aware of where your focus is. When you are... it's because you're focusing on yourself. You're not focusing on the people in your audience. And, you know, people will say, focus on just one person, imagine them all in their, you know, in their underwear. I don't do any of that. Just bring your awareness as if you could take your spotlight of your awareness off you and onto the other person. And then you're, you are connecting with them in a much more authentic way. And it's going to calm you down because you're not focusing on, oh my gosh, I'm sweating. Are they going to see my, you know, my sweaty armpits are they going to hear my voice you know like just transform it if if you just do that it will totally change the whole situation for you
0: thanks for sharing this tip hope people will try it and we'll see if it works i didn't know because i usually you say be concentrated on your breath take a deep breath calm yourself down and then come but you say no shift your attention outside of you yes yes this um, will and-
1: transform your uh, presence yes Yes, and I bet a lot of people listening right now are experiencing maybe for the first time in their lives, insomnia Mm -hmm. and waking up in the middle of the night with the what ifs, what ifs, what ifs. I have a breath technique that is like seriously a go-to to get you back to sleep. And it's as you inhale, you think one, as you exhale two, inhale three. You're gonna do this, you know, in counting the numbers, inhale and exhale one up to eight, back down to one, up to eight, back down to one. At very very soon into it, you'll just drift right off. However, you also might find yourself counting, and all of a sudden, you find yourself at seventeen or twenty-three, and you snap back into it. You just start again at one. And when I don't remember who taught me this, but I was taught this way, where I just said about you know you're going to find yourself up at seventeen or twenty-three, and I share it that way because sure enough, that's exactly what happened. And sometimes I'll find myself at 17 or 23, many times it's just one to eight to one to eight and I'm back to sleep.
0: So it really helps you go back to calm.
1: Yeah, because boy, oh boy, I can imagine that prescriptions for uh, insomnia medications are through the roof too, because with COVID and everything we experienced in the United States in 2020, I mean, it was just, it was the most challenging year of our lives. And so a lot of people are up at two in the morning, you know, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. Um, And unfortunately, getting on their screens and their devices, looking at all the horrible news, that's the worst thing you can do for yourself, you know, be flooding yourself with all this bad news. But also the screens are not good. They don't they don't induce sleep. They actually excite you.
0: Yeah. Do the opposite. And ask you another question. I went through your site and read a little bit of your articles And it was interesting. You talked about miracles in one of your articles. Yes. I will be happy to hear you your insight about what is miracle for you. And thank you. How how can we enable miracles in our life? You know.
1: Thank you. So we my husband and I have been married for 36 years, and he has had two medical miracles in that time. One was almost 20 years ago, when it's a liver failure, and he, he was close to dying, 10, 12, 15 times, I, I lost track of how many times. Every time he would go into liver failure, he was inches from dying. And he received a life saving liver transplant, and he was not the designated recipient. He was the backup. And so it, that was like such wow. an incredible miracle, right? One of his doctors said to me afterwards, he said, wow, I really didn't think he was ever going to get a transplant. So there's medical miracle number one. Medical miracle number two was just over two years ago, he was diagnosed with an extremely rare fatal cancer, 25% chance of survival with treatment at one year, 0% at two years. And ironically, the cancer was caused by the medications he's been taking for all these years to not reject the liver, trend, the liver, right? Wow. So side effect of the medication, it's keeping him alive and oh, it also caused cancer long story short, I won't go through all of it. Um, I'm into, I'm into possibilities, right? So I was like, okay, let's start doing this and doing this and doing this. And, you know, he, he, He's always been so supportive of me and my, you know, with the hypnosis and everything. But he never really was into it. But you know, given a life-threatening uh, diagnosis, all right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be open. And so we did all these different things, including some of which were these spring green juices, which Anthony uh, William, who calls himself the medical medium, says uh, are anti-cancerous, and. I don't know if you have wild blueberries in in your country. Wild blueberries, he says, are the superfood, that there is not a cancer they can't prevent. So he started having um, the wild blueberry smoothies, and then there were other things that we did too. And before we got to uh, go see the specialist for this rare cancer, he had to have a PET scan. And he had the PET scan, and his doctor could not get on the phone fast enough to say, all the margins were clear. Now, the medical community will not say no cancer, but there's no cancer, right? So we I don't know why we kept the appointment, but we went to see the specialist, and he's kind of perplexed and bumbling around like, hey, what's going on? And he won't say, you know, there's no cancer. He says, well, you have three options. You can take a wait-and-see approach you can surgically remove what's left on the arm, which we knew was just a scar at this point, there was no cancer there, or you can do 15 weeks of radiation. And I said, if wait and see is an option, I don't think radiation is our first choice. And so we just went, uh, the two year anniversary was just recently of him being cancer free. It's a miracle. And I, I really appreciate you letting me share that because I think that because we've had this experience, It's incumbent upon us to share this, to put hope and possibilities out there so that um, if somebody's listening, has a, a cancer diagnosis or someone they love, it doesn't mean it has to be a death sentence, right? Miracles, I think, are possible for all of us. It's having an openness to, okay... Maybe this is possible. You don't have to be all in believing like I am, but just that little door open of possibilities can bring it right into you. Wow. I'm shivering. It really touches me. Thank you. And it's an amazing story.
0: And I think it's really crucial to, you say, to be open, even that we are going through a stressful situation that makes us feel uncomfortable and scared and feel a lot of fear feel it, however, try to open your mind to what else we can do, what the other possibility that we can handle it
1: and not get into our own fears and make it even worse. Right. And so it, ironically, you know, we go into that fear place and it amps up what we're trying to push away anyway, right? Mm -hmm. So all the stress and the anxiety and the fear only promote dis-ease in our body, mind, and spirit. And so I am committed so deeply to showing people hope and possibility. And it's, it's sometimes it's just shifting that just that tiniest bit of perspective, and then it can really open the floodgates to real possibilities. Amazing. Stephanie, before
0: we wrap up, is there anything that I didn't ask you that you want to share with The, the one thing,
1: if there was just one takeaway, it would be just start now. You know, don't judge yourself for, oh, I haven't gotten there. I'm, you know, oh, I'm just start now. If you just start with, I'm breathing in, I'm breathing out, and you start experiencing those short moments of calm many times an hour, then it can allow you to start softening and, and letting go some of the stress and anxiety and then open up to possibilities. You know, COVID has really robbed a lot of people of peace of mind, of peace in their cells. Just start where you are. You can get five of the techniques for my book for free at the number five, easy ways to calm anxiety.com. And so go get those and pick two. I'm not even going to say pick five, right? Just pick two of your favorites and start actioning them on a regular basis. Maybe buddy up with a friend and commit to doing this, you know, doing these every single day. And then check in with yourselves, with each other after seven days and notice how your stress level has come down. And it's almost impossible if you're doing these, your stress level comes down. There's no way to stay, you know, keeping up at that high level. Because if you think about like, when I had my office, I had a trash can and you know how you have these certain uh, household chores that you just can't stand. One of mine is emptying the trash can. Well, it was just me at the office. So I would take the lid off the trash can when it was getting really full and I'd stomp it down with my foot because I didn't want to have to take it out. Eventually it got to the point where I had to empty the trash. So you want to empty your stress level, your trash can stress levels way beyond when it gets to the top, you want to keep emptying it out so that you have more room for what you want in life, which is joy and freedom.
0: Amazing. Thank you for the tip. And I think also you want to think what fuels you, right? What gives you air? What makes you feel great, be happy? What makes you feel good in the day to day? And just and do it. Do more of it. That's right. Invest time and energy in enabling this part of your life to exist, because you don't have time, and then you get into the circle that you are really stressful, and you. So you know, it's you need right. to cut right. the circle, right? And
1: exactly, move. that's a perfect way of saying it.
0: Great. So Stephanie it was really awesome talk and a, a lot of tip you gave to our listeners so i'm sure they will benefit from it and will hopefully will reduce the anxiety and stress in the day to day in the workplace within ourselves
1: in our communities yes thank you so much what what a fabulous conversation thank you
0: this was Stephanie Telfanzo hope you enjoyed our conversation You're invited to follow us on social media and subscribe to our podcast in order to know when we upload a new episode. Thank you for listening. Until next time, take care and bye-bye.